Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Across the Arts with Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. And we certainly want to thank you for tuning in to this very special edition of today's show. Today we welcome composer Trevor Weston, professor of music at Drew University. Trevor is going to drop in to talk about his career as a composer and his appearance at the Color of Music Festival, which will happen later this month, October 22nd through the 26th, in Charleston, South Carolina. Good afternoon, Trevor. Hello? Trevor, are you there? Trevor, are you there? Hello? Trevor, we've had some kind of snafu. I think you're on the air now. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Listen, I do apologize for that, but hopefully we can edit that that great pause out. So, Trevor, just tell me about your, your work as a composer. Just tell me about who are some of the composers that influenced your, your interest in um, pursuing a career in composition? Well, my first composition teacher... Um, was T.J. Anderson. I went to Tufts University, and he was my advisor, and I studied composition with him. And it was really through those lessons and his mentorship that I um, decided to become a composer. And he encouraged me to apply to graduate school. Um, I left uh, Tufts University and went to UC Berkeley and studied with Ollie Wilson, amongst other composers, and he also became an important mentor to me um, as a composer, um, as an individual, and also as a scholar, someone who is interested in composition. And Ollie Wilson is also known for his scholarship in African-American music history. And at Berkeley, I also studied with Andrew Embry and Richard Felciano, um, also very important composers who who influenced my work and and my development. Now, of course, I just asked about the influences that led to you uh, speaking about your college influence. Talk to me about your family. Um, what kind of uh, musical background um, was um, you know readily available in your um, family upbringing? Well, my father um, was an interior designer, but has been a singer in churches ever since she was a choir boy. In fact, while actually doing some research in Charleston, I found out that he took voice lessons with William Lawrence, who was an African-American musician who accompanied Roland Hayes and Marian Anderson. So growing up, um, I remember listening to him prepare solos and music for church and there was a funny anecdote where he was learning a piece by listening to, I think it might have been The Seven Last Words of Christ by Dubois. Mm-hmm. And I said, Dad, you don't know this yet? And at age five, I sang the whole thing from heart just wow. because I had a very good ear. So he said, you know what? We're going to put this child in a choir. So I started singing at Grace Episcopal Church in Plainfield, New Jersey. And while singing there, um, connected to families who had sent their boys to St. Thomas Choir School in New York City, 
And so I continued my education as a choir boy at St. Thomas Church. My mother um, is not a musician, but she grew up in the church. She was a um, Sunday school teacher. Um, She's from Barbados. So I grew up with two people, both parents, well aware of church music, and both of them had a fondness for classical music, which was incredibly influential and supportive, as as a matter of fact, in my development as a composer. Talk to me a little bit more about St. Thomas Church, and perhaps could you talk a little bit more about Jerry Hancock's influence on your life as a musician? So, as a choir boy at St. Thomas, um, Jerry Hancock was the director, and as a musician, he had a huge influence. Um, for those of you who know Jerry Hancock's legacy, he was an amazing organist, an amazing improviser, and also had a great vision in music. Um, I would say that as a boy, um, and I wasn't alone, um, his musicianship and his performance and the way that he um, conducted the choir had a huge influence on how I participated in music, if that makes sense. You know, my Mm -hmm. own kind of musicianship and my approach to music um, was very much influenced by that experience. Um, Later in life, when I became a a professional composer after graduate school, he actually commissioned me to write a piece for St. Thomas, a Magnificat and Nunc Dimittis, and... Really, it's a highlight of my my career as a composer, being able to write a piece for Jerry Hancock and for St. Thomas was um, first a daunting task. Mm -hmm. But in writing the piece, I realized how much that experience has influenced my work as a composer and also my sensibilities as a composer. Um, Singing choral music at an early age um, has, in a sense always connected my kind of outlook as a composer to text and how text is represented um, through music. Or when I want to just write a piece for myself, I, I tend to write a choral piece because it's so dear to my heart. And that connection really goes back to my experience at St. Thomas um, and working and performing under Jerry Hancock. Mm. Now, I do have a clip of yours It's um, entitled In Vio Lord. Before I play it, could you maybe talk about a little bit about the background of this particular sacred work? So when I was in graduate school at UC Berkeley, I directed a small chapel um, church called um, uh, Christ the King, um, and it was a Anglo- kind of Catholic Episcopalian chapel. And as music director, I decided that I would write music for my little quartet. I had a little quartet of basic, you know, soprano, alpha, tenor, bass. And In Thee, O Lord, is a piece that I wrote for one of our services. Um, We had a very traditional um, liturgy, including singing the Alleluia. And I wrote In Thee, O Lord, as... Um, a psalm verse to go with the Alleluia that we performed on Sundays. 
the recording that you have is of Cathedral of, um, let's see, I think Christ the King um, in Indianapolis. And um, I taught at Wabash College for a couple years. And while working at Wabash College, I went to many services at the Cathedral and in Indianapolis, and this recording is from one of their even song performances. Okay, let's take a listen to that now in The Lord by Trevor Weston. <laughs> Now, if someone wanted to um, acquire your choral works, in particular, who is this uh, particular anthem uh, published by? So all of my music currently is self-published. So if... Exactly. I'm working (laughs) on that. But if someone would like a copy, they can contact me um, via, well, Trevor Weston or... Well, I think the best email address would be trustin9 at hotmail.com. I have a website, trevorweston.com, and my contact information is there. Um, So if someone would like a copy, they can definitely um, contact me, and I can also inform them of other liturgical works. Um, Again, singing in many choirs and having church job for many years. I did write a few short anthems and maybe even longer anthems that are appropriate for um, church services. So please, please visit TrevorWeston.com and um, definitely investigate securing those pieces. That's a nice piece. I hope I can do that one myself. That's really nice. Now let's go back to... 
let's go back briefly. We're talking about Charleston. You, you're going to have a homecoming, sort to speak, um, returning um, to Charleston to the Color of Music Festival, which is happening at the end of the month. Talk to me a little bit about the role of Charleston um, in your um, career as a professional musician. Well, I taught the College of Charleston for nine years, um, between 2000 and 2009, um, professor of theory, composition at the college, and um, it was a great period for many reasons. One, it's the first time I ever lived in the South, and two, um, Charleston has great musical life um, through the Spoleto Festival, but also through kind of the local musicians who play with the symphony or other chamber ensembles. And the choir at the College of Charleston, directed by um, um, Robert Taylor, um, performed many of my works. So as a composer, I was able to write a lot of music and get a lot of performances, which was fantastic. At the same time, I wrote a short research paper on black musicians in Charleston the early 20th century. And it's through that research I learned a lot about the development of black music, especially black composers and their contributions to um, American art music. And more specifically, as I mentioned earlier, um, I found out that William Lawrence, who accompanied um, Marian Anderson and uh, Roland Hayes, um, was from Charleston and taught voice lessons to my father, and my father knew him as a child. So, um, really, that that experience was was fantastic for those reasons alone. On top of that, I finally listened and attended performances of Gullah music, mm-hmm. and I've written a couple pieces that are directly connected to um, Gullah music or Gullah culture. For those who may not be aware of this, um, Porgy and Bess, composed by um, Gershwin, is based on a Gullah story or takes place in Charleston, and Gershwin himself actually lived in Charleston for a few months listening to and participating in Gullah music performances. So I have a couple pieces, The People Could Fly and um, Messages, which are pieces that are directly connected to um, characteristics of Gullah music. So, really, that experience in Charleston has had a strong influence on my music and my development as a composer. Now, at the Color of Music Festival, um, you will actually be doing a, I don't want to give too much of it away, but you will be uh, presenting during the symposium series a presentation called Charleston's Contributions to Classical Music. Uh, around the world, and I believe that's the first uh, symposium of the series, and I'm I'm pretty excited uh, about that. Now, speaking of the Color Music Festival, how did you become associated with uh, the music director and um, perhaps the founder, Lee Pringle? So I met Lee Pringle um, probably in 2000, maybe 2001. Um, Lee used to sing with the Charleston Symphony Chorus, and I used to sing with the Charleston Symphony Chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we met then, and we, I think in 2000, came up with a wonderful idea of a gospel chorus connected to the Charleston Symphony. So um, I was 
brought on board to do some arrangements. We also organized uh, Valentine's Day events um, connected to the Charleston Symphony. So we met at that point. Outside of those two events, meaning the gospel, well, it became a gospel Christmas concert with the symphony and also a Valentine's Day concert with the symphony, Lee had this idea of coming up with a concert or concert series devoted to black composers and black musicians. And that's the first time that Lee came up with this idea. And I thought, wow, this is great. And we talked about it. And I guess about 10 years later, we have a color of music festival. So I'm completely thrilled that such a great idea, which had its, you know, initial um, kind of thoughts and, and discussions 10 years ago has, you know, flourished and come into not one set of concerts, but now an annual event in Charleston. So that's my connection to Lee Pringle. Well, I'm certainly excited about the festival, and I had an opportunity. It was so amazing after hearing so much about you uh, through Julian Wachner and um, the Washington Chorus that I finally got to meet you in person just this summer at the Made in, Made in America concert at the Kennedy Center. And one of the pieces of yours I wish I had a recording to talk about, and maybe other pe- people can go and research it. Could you maybe talk to the listeners about your piece, Ashes? Sure. So Ashes composed in 2002 as a response to the attacks of 9-11. And its premiere was in Charleston through a now defunct group called the Carolina Chamber Chorale. And they organized a concert in memory of 9-11 in 2002. I think it was in uh, basically during the Piccolo Spoleto Festival, which is late May, early June. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, went to New York often, and my sister used to work across the street from the tower. She worked at One Liberty Plaza. So like many people, I had a direct connection to people who experienced 9-11. And growing up in this area, the, the towers and knowing how many people from New Jersey commuted to that area of the world. It was just kind of horrific. So I felt like I needed to write something. And not just about the destruction, but about suffering. Because seeing the images of people who had lost their loved ones and carrying, you know, pictures, kind of knowing what the outcome was, but hoping, you know, that that to me um, really went to the core of you know, being human, having this connection and and feeling lonely because others aren't really aware that this isn't just another human who died. It's This is my so-and-so who means this to me. So I wanted to write a piece that addresses that. So Ashes uses text from Psalm 102 um, from the Bible, and the title comes from one of the verses from that psalm, which is, I've eaten my ashes, as it were, bread. And that came to me because I remember hearing that there were recorded cell phone calls from people who were in the rubble, stuck, calling their loved ones for the last time. Mm -hmm. And that idea of people maybe actually eating ashes while they're kind of making their last connection to to those who they love and love them, I think really struck me. So I wanted to write a piece, you know, that was inspired by, I can say inspired, or in response to 
9-11, but really addressing this issue of human suffering and um, kind of sadness and melancholy. So that was the piece that was performed at the Kennedy Center. Um, there were maybe over 200 singers. It was really the best performance I've heard. It was it was fantastic, and I was very happy um, with the performance and hearing it again and really very happy with how that piece affects people. Someone came to me after the concert and said that they lost their brother recently and this piece was helping them to mm -hmm. cope. And in a way, that's one of the best compliments I've ever received. You know, I hope that, you know, my music can help someone. So, so that would there is a... Can you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say there is a YouTube recording of that piece by the um, chamber singers or the chamber chorus from University of California, Berkeley. So if there are people who are interested in hearing it. It does exist online. <clears throat> so. so, in fact, that performance at the Kennedy Center, that was the Washington debut of Ashes. That was the Washington debut, and um, Julian Walkner heard the the actual premiere in Charleston. He was an assistant conductor at the Spleto Festival and went to the concert. Um, Julian and I both attended St. Thomas Choir School together, um, and we reconnected in Charleston. He was participating at the Spleto Festival, and we reconnected. He heard Ashes, liked the piece, and decided later that same year in 2002 that he would bring it to Providence, Rhode Island and have the Providence Singers perform it. And he used to be the conductor for the Providence Singers. So in many ways, the Peace Ashes is also connected to, you know, my relationship with Julian Walkner. It's amazing how the universe works to bring all these things back into being after different periods of time. Now, just as we close, first of all, I want to say, Trevor, thank you so much uh, for taking time out to, to chat with me about your career and your role in the Color Music Festival. I really am thankful and honored by this opportunity. And just as we close, I want to just um, go back to, well, not actually go back to bring up a new point, just in closure. Of course, you're teaching at Drew University and you're teaching uh, composition. Could you maybe talk to me about, um, I guess, the future of composition, uh, perhaps the, the kinds of students that maybe pass through your, your doors um, and in particular, maybe um, African-American composers. What's the future of African-American composers in the classical music genre or world? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it this way. African-Americans have always participated in writing classical music. It goes, it's a long tradition um, that... Um, I guess few are aware of. There were composers of African descent living in Europe who composed music that we consider to be classical music. Mm -hmm. So it's something that has always existed and will continue. Um, I feel like I'm now a middle-aged composer. That sounds strange to say, but <laughs> I am meeting and seeing younger African-American composers. And I think something that's true for the African-American community, and I think all communities, is I think that um, more and more younger composers 
are are coming from a different vantage point when it comes to classical music. It's something that is shared by everyone. I think more people feel connected to um, classical music, and it's not um, something that is exclusive anymore. I live in Brooklyn, and there are a lot of young, really talented, fascinating composers who write classical music, and they have some, you know, they have a toe in what we might consider pop or indie music. So I Mm -hmm. think when we look to the future, which I think is very bright for African-American composers in particular, I think that the current kind of inclusive outlook of classical music is is um, pointing to a bright and continued kind of growth in first contemporary music, but also growth in you know the number of composers of African descent who will participate in the development of art music in America. Again, thank you so much, Trevor, for being on the broadcast today. It's, it's been a wonderful conversation with you. And again, Trevor Weston will be a part of the Color of Music Festival October 22nd through the 26th, on, especially on the symposium series, which he will present Charleston's contribution to classical music around the world. Again, this has been Across the Arts with Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. And we do hope that you go to www.colorofmusic.org and visit and check out the offerings of the Color of Music Festival. And again, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Thank you so much.